BSI presenta el show de las normas, el podcast que le trae las historias detrás de las normas. BSI apresenta o show das normas, o podcast que traz as histórias por trás das normas. BSI presents the standard show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards with Matthew Childs and Cindy Paragill. El episodio de hoy, Copan y el desarrollo de normas en Sudamérica. No episódio de hoje, Copan y la creación de normas en América del Sur. Today's episode is about Copan and standards making in South America. Hola, hola, and hello. My name is Matthew Childs, and this is The Standard Show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards. And as you can hear, there's a different flavor to this episode, a South American flavor. So it's very much gracias to BSI colleague Andy for her lovely Spanish intro. And obrigado to Cincha, host of the podcast Charcom Rapadura, for that beautiful Portuguese intro. And we thought we'd blend a bit of English, Spanish and Portuguese because we're looking at the work of Capant, the Pan-American standards body, but focusing in particular on its work in South America. And we're doing this through my conversation with Corey Aguino. Corey is Executive Secretary from Capant, an organization representing and supporting 32 national standards bodies of the Americas, founded way back in 1949 in Sao Paulo in Brazil. I spoke to Corey about Capant's current priorities around the circular economy, climate change, digital transformation and gender equality in standards making. I also spoke to her about how it works with its members as well as our own standards journey. And also in this episode, you'll hear my conversation with Maria and Oscar from Copant member IDNORCA, the national standards body of Bolivia, about a number of things, including standards education and how they are supporting the next generation of standards makers. Now, although this is a Matthew without Cindy episode, here is Cindy with a quick reminder in English. This is Cindy Parakil with a quick reminder that here on The Standard Show, we really welcome your feedback. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, especially if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Find and follow us on Twitter at Standard Show and on Instagram at The Standard Show. And check out the show notes for all of the ways to get in touch. One of the great things about doing this show is the chance to speak to people all over the world. And I've said it many times before because it's true. The only reason I'm able to do this is through the miracle and magic of international telecommunication standards. And in fact, the reason you're able to listen to this at all. So the latest version of this miracle was my conversation with Corey Aquino of Capant. Me in a corner of Southeast London and Corey in a corner of Bolivia's capital, La Paz, or The Peace. I started asking Corey to tell me more about Copant and her own standards journey to it. Copant, it's the the acronym of the Pan American Standards Commission in Spanish. It's Comisión Panamericana de Normas Técnicas. Um, it's an association that uh, brings together the national standards bodies of the Americas, of all the uh, Pan American region. We have North America, Central America, the Caribbean, and South America uh, countries all together. Uh, Copant, well, our region 
uh, it's very diverse uh, if we are talking about economics or trade. Um, we didn't, we try, but we didn't achieve to have a, a market union or a, 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 even a, an agreement of, of uh, trade in all the region. We have South region, uh, sub-regions like, uh, in South America, we have Mercosur, but we also have the Indian community. In the North, we have the NAFTA, we have the, the CARICOM in, in the, in the Caribbean and Central America also have their, their own, um, agreement of trade. But that means that it really doesn't make sense to harmonize standards for the Pan American region. We tried uh, for several years, Copan developed uh, Pan American standards. But uh, when we uh, start asking our members the degree of uh, adoption of those uh, standards and the use of them for facilitating uh, the trade, we find out that it's very, very, very few. Uh, so what we really move to be more a cooperation organization to help our members to be more active in the development of international standards um, and uh, also develop the capacities of our members because, as I say, we have a very different economies in our region. We have one of the biggest and the, 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 the poorest economies in our region. So there's a lot of uh, difference there. I mean, that's, so, that's right. You, you talk about the sort of north and south and sort of that Pan American, uh, Pan American states. I mean, that covers a, a really huge range of countries, doesn't it? You obviously have that, you know, a couple of major players and, and some huge populations, but obviously some very small org countries and organizations as well. Yes, we have uh, very, very small uh, countries in, in the Caribbean, for, for instance, with a very, very low population, but they still have one uh, national standards body. And we have countries very, very large and very big and we, with dense population and also have one uh, stand, national standard body. Maybe the difference also is that in the north, um, so we have Canada, United States, and Mexico, they have a different um, approach for standards. They have a national uh, standards body recognized by the government, but they have SDOs, what we call SDOs, that are standards development orga organizations, and they work on different areas. So they speciali specialize in different areas. That's not the same in, in the rest of our region where there's just one uh, organization that develops standards. Now, I want to come back to talk about some of your members, and especially how Copad sort of works with its members, and also looking at, at sort of the current priorities of, of, the, of Copan. But before we get there, I'm interested in you. So I want to know, a question we ask pretty much all of our guests about their standards journey. So how and when did it start for you, and where are you now? Well, very young and uh, by chance, actually. I think... 
a lot of you people stumbled. Who... We have a lot of people that stumble into standards. You're going to tell me you stumbled into standards, are you? Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I think the majority of us doesn't think, oh, I'm going to work with standards. <laughs> doesn't even cross your mind. I, I'm, I'm, I have a background of a food engineer. And uh, I started working in a food uh, industry here, a bakery, uh, industrial bakery. And and, my, and and of course the payment was very low and the hours of work were, were very hard. Uh, and I met a friend by chance who become who was the vice uh, ministry of industry here in Bolivia, and he offered me a job in the ministry. I was like, oh, okay, but the the payment was the triple of what I was doing in the industry. So I said, well, why not? And what do I have to do? As he said, well, um, you're going to work in standards and quality. I, did, I didn't have a clue what was about that. And uh, the first task is uh, we are uh, negotiating the free trade agreement with uh, Mexico. Uh, so you, you have to negotiate the chapter of um, of standards. We're in, we're in the deep end then. So I say yes, of course I can do that. And when I started to re read the document, the legal document of the agreement, I couldn't understand a thing because I'm an engineer. I'm I don't have a legal background, uh, so I had to study a lot try to learn a lot about uh, that and and it, it's really a, a pity because even if I had a scientific background and there's a lot of standards for my um, my speciality I never saw a standard in the university so this is what what now blows my mind as how how can it be possible? And, it, and there's still some careers that doesn't, there, there's still young people that doesn't even know what a standard is. So I started working like that. So I worked for the government for a few years. I tried to come back to the industry for some years, but it didn't really work. Uh, so I come back to the ministry. And then I was invited to uh, become the executive director of IGNORCA, the Bolivian Standards Organization, that it's private. And I've been there for eight years, and then I, um, I was invited to be the executive secretary of COPAN. So I'm here in COPAN for 12 years already. My work is more um, management. So uh, to, to propose projects, to collaborate uh, with the members, to um, promote some mutual cooperation between our members, so maybe some internships or some um, trainings between them, or we even have um, networking sessions during our week. Uh, once a year 
So we promote that our members uh, have bilateral meetings and uh, maybe some agreements between them or MOUs or what they need. So my work is uh, looking for projects, uh, help members developing capacities, uh, and look for uh, and and also be very aware of the trends uh, in the economy, in the society, in the environment, and try to bring uh, those trends, uh, issues to be discussed uh, uh, by our members and see how we can uh, focus uh, from the region. Um, and also, we work a lot uh, to promote more visibility and participation of our region in international standards. So, mainly ISO because uh, most of our members are members of ISO and uh, we also work uh, a little bit with IEC but um, that's my work. As an organization what are, what are Copan's current priorities? What are you focusing on? Right now we are working in a regional project um, uh, funded by a, a German corporation, the PTB, uh, on circular economy. So we are working in three uh, main uh, uh, circular values like uh, agri-food, plastics, and uh, building materials. Uh, We are working together with the the other regional organizations, our sisters, if you want to, um, on metrology and accreditation to make sure that the three pillars of the uh, quality infrastructure are uh, involved in developing tools to um, include the circular economy in our work, but also help projects on circular economy to, uh, to already have uh, standards or the measurement or, or the certification, laboratory, whatever they need. So this is one uh, issue we're working on. Uh, And as COPAN, we have the task to develop some uh, guidance um, to be used then by uh, uh, the countries. Then uh, we are uh, developing also a project on digital transformation for our members. Uh, As you know, even before the pandemics, but with the pandemic, uh, we have to move very fast to transform everything to di- digital and uh, online. And uh, developing standards uh, may be very uh, usual to do it digitally for some economies, but for very uh, small economies or maybe uh, NSBs that are governmental wasn't that clear. Uh, so we are uh, now having uh, asking our members to uh, make an auto evaluation of their uh, digital transformation maturity and there then start from there uh, to see how we can help them uh, maybe with a platform or with some training or some software they will need. Um, And the other um, 
main issue we are uh, very focused on is on gender equality. So we have an action plan uh, 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 in that issue and try to have uh, some discussions with our members to see how they are doing uh, also uh, nationally uh, and inside the, 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 the NSB with the gender equality. So, um, and, and with the, the, the one with circular economy, also we are, uh, we are develop uh, an action plan on climate change. So, um, as you are aware, uh, ISO, uh, has, uh, signed the London declaration on, on 2021. So, uh, we as COPAN, um, are supporting this declaration and we are also working with our members to see how uh, we can help them with their action plans nationally and uh, through standards, how we can help to uh, tackle the climate change. Now we'll pick up the rest of my conversation with Corey later, but right at the end there, she talked about Copan members. And one of those members is IBNORCA, the National Standards Body of Bolivia. Now, luckily for me, some IBNORCA colleagues were visiting the UK late last year. So I grabbed my microphone and went along to meet two of them. Now, though it sounds a little bit like we're in a nightclub, we were actually at the BSI Standards Conference. I started by asking them my favourite Trivial Pursuit question. Do you know the game Trivial Pursuit, the board game? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Am. Okay, so when I was growing up, so my favourite Trivial Pursuit question involves Bolivia. And I guess, what are the two landlocked countries in South America? Bolivia. And Paraguay. It's my favourite, I don't know why it's my favourite <laughs> Trivial Pursuit question. It's worth a blue wedge. So there you go, that's my favourite points. So look, I am with Maria and Oscar from Ibnulco. Right, so Maria. Tell me about you and what you do for Ibnog. Uh Well, hi, thank you for having us. Uh, I am the head of the strategic management department. So we are in charge of the international uh, projects and that is why we are here. And Oscar, what do you do for Ibnoka? I do standards, <laughs> basically. Uh, I, I supervise the committees and of course I'm in charge of the selling and, and so on. Now look, I don't, I'm going to ask about Ibnog, Ibnog in a second, but Bolivia. Come on, pitch Bolivia to me. What's Bolivia like? Tell me about it. We're really diverse, I would say. So uh, we're from La Paz and it is really, uh, has kind of this weather as Oscar was mentioning, but we have really different uh, cities and it's just, uh, we have some really hot cities and we have some beautiful landscapes and everything. So uh, it's a really good pla place to visit, so <laughs> you should come and see, and we can do a podcast there. It looks like I'm being, being invited. So how would, what would you say, Oscar? What would you, how would you describe Bolivia? Um, I think we have a lot of everything, yeah, because we have the high altitudes and we have the lowlands as well. So we have the Andean water, the pristine water, and we have the tropical lands. So I think we are very varied in, in that way. I might be demonstrating my ignorance here, but isn't La Paz the highest capital in the world? Isn't it the highest altitude capital? We do have the highest lake in the world. Yeah. See, I'm showing my, I'm, I, I was showing off about Paraguay and Bolivia being landlocked, and now I'm ruining it by not getting that right about, about La Paz. 
Clarifications Corner. I was right. The highest city and capital city in the world is La Paz. It sits 3,869 metres above sea level. And Myra was right too, in that Lake Titicata, which borders Peru and Bolivia, is the highest navigable lake in the world at 3,810 metres. So tell me about, it was obviously Ibnorca, National Standards Body of Bolivia. Now obviously BSI, National Standards Body for the UK, an independent organisation. We have a relationship with government, but we are independent and have been for over 120 years. So tell me about Ibnorca, how would you describe it as an organisation? We are also a non-profit private organization, uh, but uh, different from the from the from BSI, we do not uh, perceive any money from the government. So we are basically uh, doing the standards with the revenues of our other services because we are not only an a standardization body, but we are also a certification body and an inspection body. So we have these services that we do uh, at Dibnarca, but uh, there's a an uh, that other that is curious is that we have uh, in our board of directors we have the public sector as well. And in terms of size, how big an organisation are in terms of number of employees? Uh, we're a small one. We have only 67 employees now. And how does that compare to other other standards bodies in South America? I don't really know the size of the other standards body in South America, but. We have the, we have all because uh, some of them are just as small as us and we have even a smaller ones. But there's also Brazil, for example, that it's a really big institution. I want to ask you actually how you might work with other bodies in, in South America. But Oscar, you, you're, you're, looking, you're looking after a you know, director of standardization. What are the current sort of standards priorities for Ibnorca as a standards body? Um, actually, the food sector is the, the most important one uh, in Bolivia, actually, because I think two-thirds of our catalog is for food, food standards in general. Has that, has that always been the case? Yeah, more or less. And uh, right now, one of our main interests is energy, environment, that are both very, very uh, starting points that we need to address right now, and are going to be in our strategy as well. I mean, we heard on the, the conference today, you've obviously been, you've been attending the conference, we heard about getting standards out to SMEs and SMEs taking standards a lot more. Is that, is that an issue that is also an issue out in Bolivia too, about how SMEs are taking up standards? Uh, it's a challenge everywhere because, you know, SMEs are the most part of the industry, but uh, they are not being, uh, I don't know, included enough in the standardization process. And I think we need to address that in a way. And are, are you, I mean, are, what, what tactics are you currently using to do that? Uh, we try to reach them through, through meetings, through workshops, or to, through open talks, maybe. But uh, it's always difficult to, to engage them. So, if... Yeah, what's an issue close to my heart is about education, about standardization. I know you're interested in that sort of work. So what, what, current, what are you currently doing in terms of educating the next generation about standards and standardization? Actually, that is a new project that we have. We are trying to work with universities because uh, if young people is going to use the standards when they are in university or, or they learn about it, they are going to eventually use it in their workplaces. But what is happening now is that you learn about the standards when you're working. And maybe it's too late <laughs> and we need to learn them early. So that is why our strategy is to approach universities. And we want to go further and maybe in, into schools but that might just be in the future. 
Give me a sense of scale here. I mean, we have around 150 UK universities. How many universities are there in Bolivia? I mean, um, I would say there are less than 100, but I'm not sure about the number. And in terms of the focus there, talk about the next generation, would you be focusing on particular courses or faculties, particular subjects that students are doing? Engineering, because I think they are more applicable to the, to the technical standards and we have a lot of fields there. So I think engineering could be useful right now. Now tell, tell me about, obviously part of the reason you're here is because you're working on a project with BSI. So Maria, tell me, tell me about that project. Yeah, it's a project funded by CETA and we are working uh, mainly to see how if Narcasta as a standardization body could help the environmental sector and other sectors as well in order for standards to really be a tool that they can use and that they can know that the standards are there, not only in order to develop the standards, because if nobody knows it, is, it exists or if nobody is using it, then what is the point of actually doing the standards? So we need to engage everybody with the importance of having the development and use of standards in a specific sectors, for example, where it can be really helpful. So that is basically our goal and what, we're, what we are reaching and we are using VSI help uh, in order to do that. And how would you sum up, I mean, this event, obviously we're, we've had a, our conference today, which is all about uh, trust has been our big theme. We've had our standards award. How have you, ex what have you thought about this? I don't know whether you put on similar events in Bolivia, but how, how have you felt of this as an event? What was the experience like? It was really interesting because we actually had an award ceremony a couple of uh, weeks ago. And I think it is important to recognize the work that they are doing because it's a voluntary work. So uh, basically we need to recognize not only us, us who Sanders body, but everybody, the important work that these people, who is behind the standards, I think that is important to you. And Oscar, what would you take away from the event today? Uh, first, the organization. I think it's, it's really nice how they organize. And uh, second, I would say, you, you see a lot of people that are very old, so they basically have their, their whole lives working in the standards, and I find that really, really great, because you can, you can see I'm, I'm really young, but I can see people that... I can't see you really young, Oscar. I can see that very very young indeed, yeah. Uh, uh, but I can see people that are, that are very old, and they have been working their whole lives in the standards, and I, I find that very, I don't know... Uh, Really nice, actually. I think it's inspiring, isn't it? I mean, there was an award given today for someone who'd been around for 50, been involved in for 50 years. Now, I'll ask you a final thought here because obviously I'm involved in education and we've heard today again talk about young professionals being involved in standards. What do you say in Bolivia to young people who, who you think should get involved in standards? What's your pitch to them? Actually, it's... Uh how they can use the standards later because it is the standards is not really sexy <laughs> it's not a really sexy subject so uh, how we engage them is actually by showing some examples on how actually a standard works if, if we're talking about food why is your food clean why is it uh, safe to eat it it's because of the standards basically so that is how we are engaging them explaining this by not uh, just talking about the standard but uh, what does it actually do? For me, actually, what, what I think we, 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 we do and we could do and uh, explore more is to how we can hear more about young people 
in these committees because uh, what they want is to be heard. So we can give them access to that and we can give them a voice in the end. For instance, we have like a pilot committee, uh, students' committees, so they can actually talk, they can actually develop a standard, but in their own way. So they can learn about the process and they maybe later they can participate in the actual committees. So that's what we're trying to do right now. Maria, Oscar, really nice to meet you. And if I, I, I'm glad you've had a fantastic time meeting with BSI colleagues and obviously attending the conference and visiting the UK. Now, I think at the beginning you invited me to La Paz to come over yeah. and do. So I'm looking very, very much looking forward to coming over to Bolivia and doing this all over again. And maybe I'll learn a bit of Spanish to do that. How about that? Yes, I actually, we also are running a podcast. So maybe next time I can interview you. That would be amazing. Thank you very much. Really nice to meet you. And safe, tra safe trip back, to, back home. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, uh, it was lovely to meet Maria and Oscar from Ibnorca at the conference. And not only to chat about standards education, developing the next generation of standards makers, things very much close to my heart. But another thing very close to my heart too, podcasting. And how lovely to get an invitation from Myra to go to La Paz and record there. Nice. You can find details of the Ibnorca podcast in the show notes. Now, back to my conversation with Corey from Capant and about how it works with its members, like Ibnorca. You've mentioned uh, your members and obviously a very diverse region and, yeah. and, and a large membership. I just wonder, because of that, you know, diverse, diversity in terms of the type of, of countries, but also the, the type and, and size of the national standards bodies within them, how does Copant work with its members? I think the, the, the relationship that Copan has with our members are very close. Uh, I, I think we have this um, advantage that members feel very confident on Copant because our work was uh, from the beginning how we can support our members, how we can, even if they pay a membership fee, how we can give them more than that, more than the 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 the, the fee they pay uh, annually. So give uh, we uh, develop um, uh, training um, programs. Uh, we uh, give them some financial support to attend some technical uh, committees uh, meetings for experts. We. We, as, as I told you before, we uh, develop a lot of uh, workshops on exchange of best practices and experiences so the members can uh, compare to themselves and benchmark and maybe have some um, uh, support from, from other members to develop some uh, issues they have. Sometimes in these workshops, we have members that share some challenges they have and hear best practices from others or, or lessons learned from others what they already done so they that they can have the 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 this, not the solution but the path to go uh instead of crying and failing and having some solutions from other uh members so I think this this is why Copan is so close to our members, uh, and we even try to be uh, the bridge to the international organizations 
because our members feel more confident with us, with Copant, than with ISO, for instance, uh, that they saw it very uh, far away from the reality of uh, the communication. And also, the Latin people is, uh, you know, we are very passionate and we need to trust people. We need to know people. And uh, also my work is that, to talk to, to them, to make sure that uh, I'm there for them. A lot of our members, besides developing standards, they uh, do some, uh, they have some services on conformity assessment, could be accreditation, certification, inspection, laboratories, calibration. Um, so um, this training is organized always in Mexico. So we have Mexico uh, receiving the, 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 the other members and taking them to their accreditation organization, to some labs, to some certification uh, bodies to for them to learn how, how they work. That's one example. Then we have, uh, uh, for instance, Brazil for us is the, the, the champion in our region in, not considering, of course, the North in IT tools. So we organize also trainings on IT uh, tools for standards with uh, Brazil leading. And uh, we have very, very good results with some countries that develop their, the, the tools that uh, Brazil helped them to, to develop in, in their organizations. And we, we, we have a lot of examples of like that, uh, depending on the subject, uh, we try always to identify who's leading the, the, the this specific area or, or issue in our region or have uh, very good uh, experiences that could share with others. And uh, of course, we ask them if they are aware, uh, willing to share their experiences, their best practices, and maybe um, train or help some of our members. And the, the response is always very positive of our members to uh, give. They, they are always willing to share and give their knowledge and their best practices to, to their peers in our region. We even have some uh, very good uh, experiences also with uh, some European uh, members. BSI is one of them, of course, and we have AFNOR and we have UNIF and we have uh, UNI from Italy uh, that also um, give some training to our members. And those organizations are adherent members from COPANT. So they um, are very close also to our region because they attend our general assemblies and they participate in some of our activities. Um, and uh, they, uh, we also receive some uh, um, collaboration and cooperation from them to our region.
You mentioned uh, some European uh, standards yes. bodies there, uh, Corey, and obviously they they're members of Sen and Senlet, yes. which is the, the European the European standards well, uh, body. I just wonder how does how does Copant differ from a regional organisation like Sen and Senlec? Well, the, the 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 biggest difference is that uh, uh, you have a united market, the 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 European uh, uh, market, so. Uh, for uh, um, NSB to be part of SEN or SENELECT, they have to adopt as nationals all the standards that are uh, approved uh, at SEN or SENELECT, and uh, they have to replace the national standard because those standards um, are tools or are one of the tools to promote the trade between the the, the, the United market. As I, I told you before, in our region, we don't have that. We don't have a free trade agreement uh, for all the Pan-American uh, region. Uh, we have, uh, there's some, some regions that have their, their agreements. Uh, so it doesn't make sense to harmonize standards that won't be used because of uh, also uh, and one of the reasons maybe that we are promoting more participation in international organizations and adoption of international standards is that depending on the on the industry our members are using or European technology or American technology. So they are using those standards. And that's why it's very difficult to harmonize standards in our region. So it's best for them to go straight to ISO or IEC and try to uh, participate in the inter international harmonization of the those technologies and then adopt the standard nationally. Now, I hope you've enjoyed this South American-flavoured episode of The Standard Show. Thank you to Corey for talking to me about Capant and about how it works with its members and represents them. And thanks also to Maria and Oscar from one of those members, Ibnorka, about some of the great work they are doing in Bolivia and for the shared love of podcasting too. Thank you to Cynthia from the podcast Sharkom Rapajura for her Portuguese version of The Standard Show intro. Thanks again to Andy for her Spanish version and also for all of her help in producing this episode. There's a bit more of Cynthia and Andy in a moment. Now, for more information on Capant, Ibnorca and standards making in South America, then check out the links in the show notes. Tú estuviste escuchando un episodio de El Programa de las Normas. Você ouviu um episódio do Show das Normas. You have been listening to an episode of The Standard Show with Matthew Childs and Cindy Parakil. Subscribe to us now wherever you get your podcasts. You just heard a stripped media production.